Welcome to First Words, a podcast presented by the First United Methodist Church of Florence. Today's message is brought to you by Senior Pastor Rev. Dale Cohen. Several families went camping together, and one evening, as it was getting dark and everybody was gathering for dinner, they noticed that there was a child missing, a young girl named Kathy. They started looking around the campground, but she was nowhere to be found. Their searching became more intense because the sunlight was fading into darkness. Everyone shouted Kathy's name as they fanned out, expanding the search area. Her parents called the police who came to help, but at the same time they imagined uh, all the horrible things which uh, this story could end up uh, seeing come to pass. After searching all night when the sun was about to rise, one of the searchers thought that he heard a whimper from over in a little ravine, and sure enough, there was Kathy. She was bruised and battered, but still alive. And the paramedics took her to the hospital where she was treated for minor injuries and released to go home that night. Well, that night when her father tucked her into bed, he kissed her goodnight, turned out the light, began to walk out the door. And as he started to close the door, the little girl said, Daddy. And he said, Yes, sweetheart. And he turned around and he could see that she had gotten up on one elbow and was looking at him with just this big smile on her face. And she said, I bet you're glad you found me. (laughs) And he said, if you only knew. If you only knew. This story could sit alongside the two parables that Jesus tells in our gospel lesson today. Jesus was eating with a group of tax collectors and sinners, as if sinners is an occupation. In the first story, Jesus introduces us to a shepherd who had 100 sheep, but he loses one. And so Jesus playfully asks, which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, doesn't leave the 99 in the wilderness and go, go after that one that is lost until he finds it? Well, the obvious answer to everyone in his audience that day would have been, nobody would leave 99 going in search for one. That's ridiculous. Well, it's ridiculous because had the shepherd actually done that, by the time he got back to the 99, they either would have been taken by thieves or eaten by wolves. Well, Jesus ignores the absurdity of his question and continues. And when the shepherd who has left the 99, probably lost them, but goes and finds that one lost sheep, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. Lost sheep are hard to find because when they get scared, they curl up and they hunker down in the brush because they don't want to be seen by a predator. And so, in effect, what they're doing is they're making it harder 
for someone to find them. And so the shepherd must go and search diligently with no help from the sheep. So you can understand the joy that this shepherd felt at miraculously finding his lost sheep and and then his desire to celebrate with his friends. Recently, our cat, Callie, lost a toy mouse that Diane Freeze, one of our members and a fellow cat lover, had given her. Callie loved playing with that little toy mouse. So Anne, my wife, and Bean, our granddaughter, started searching throughout the house with a flashlight and a broom handle, because you know you're going to have to go up into some tight places, in search of that toy mouse. They found dust bunnies under some heavy, hard-to-move furniture, and it's, they're only dust bunnies because it's really hard to move furniture. Am I okay, Ann? <laughs> under the couch, they found the cap to Isabel, our daughter's water thermos that she'd lost weeks before. And then they found two other cat toys that belonged to one of our other cats, Lily, who died two years ago, so no telling how long they had been hidden. We finally found Callie's toy mouse. But the point of my story is that we go to any lengths to find that which we've lost. But no matter how desperate our search, it matches in no way, doesn't even come close to how God feels in His search for us. In the second parable, Jesus describes a woman who misplaced one of her ten coins. And again, Jesus offers a question. He says, what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Well, now, this story seems a little more realistic than the shepherd's story, Because we all know if you lose money, you're going to do whatever you can to find it. However, Jesus offers a little twist to this story that makes it almost absurd, as absurd as the shepherd's story. He says, and when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, party with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. The absurdity is the implication that this woman would throw a party with her neighbors to celebrate that she found her lost coin, but the cost of the party would have been more than the coin's worth. It makes no sense to do what she did. And some would say it's a fool's game. So what is Jesus' point with these two stories? He wants to illustrate the radical nature of God's love that drives him to, in our estimation, foolishly search out those who are lost. God's radical love causes him to do whatever it takes to search us out. Even if others think we're not worth the effort, Jesus says, not only does God the Father delight in finding us, but all of heaven joins in the rejoicing at one sinner who repents. 
So, after describing the shepherd's joy and wanting to have a party with his friends, Jesus says, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And after highlighting the woman's joy, after she found her coin and wanting to throw a party with her friends, Jesus says, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continues to point out how we do not have to convince God to love us. He already does. And He'll do whatever it takes to find us when we're lost, even if we can't help in our own finding. We may feel like we're unworthy, but God is pursuing us with His love. We may feel like damaged goods, but God sees us as His precious children and can restore us. We may think that God will reject us, but God will not because He's already accepted you. He already loves you even as you are. The only way that we can be separated from God is if we reject God. Jesus likes to use parallels that connect his listeners to characters in the stories that he shares. So let's see if we can find some of these parallels in the parables. First, we can connect the shepherd and the woman with the figure of God the Father who goes out searching for his lost children. That's an easy connection to make. We can also connect the lost sheep and the lost coin to the tax collectors and the sinners that he was eating dinner with. Jesus demonstrates how the Father goes out of his way to save them. That's another easy connection to make. Now it's also tempting to equate those same tax collectors and sinners with those who need to repent. However, there are some other characters in this story who need a parallel as well. The scribes and the Pharisees. The key to matching an image in the story with the scribes and Pharisees, though, isn't found in the reading that we had for today. You actually have to jump back to the end of chapter 14. We were in 15. You have to jump back to the end of chapter 14 to find the key. Remember, editors added the chapters and verses of our Bibles at some point where we could use them as reference, but they didn't always continue stories in the way that they needed to. And this is an example of that where Luke 14 and 15 needed a little better bridge. Jesus said at the end of Luke 14, salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be used for seasoning? It is useful neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. They throw it away. If you have ears to hear, then hear. Chapter 15. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near 
to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So first, Jesus referred to the scribes and the Pharisees as salt that had lost its ability to add flavor because their legalistic religion added nothing to the lives of the people they served. It's a warning for the scribes and the Pharisees to get over their self-righteousness and to rediscover the joy of living with God in a loving relationship. If you have ears to hear, Jesus said, then hear. And again, Luke says, now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. Luke, and I've given some examples in the outline, but Luke often sees hearing or listening as a sign of repentance and even conversion. Luke implies that since the tax collectors and the sinners have listened to Jesus, it's a sign that they've already repented. However, the scribes and the Pharisees, they're not listening. The scribes and the Pharisees observe a merit-based religious system where they're part of an exclusive club that denies entry to anybody who is unworthy or unclean, and it's usually based on their judgment of who's unworthy and who's unclean. The scribes and the Pharisees need to repent because they can't hear Jesus proclaim that God operates on a system of mercy, not merit, so that even tax collectors and sinners get a seat at the table. In other words, Jesus is saying that God and all of heaven would break out in celebration if those scribes and those Pharisees were able to get off their high horses and repent of their self-righteousness and instead find delight in seeing more and more people coming to follow Jesus and experiencing that life of joy. Now, I'm not pointing fingers because I'm a Pharisee. I want to prove my worth to God, and if I'm honest, I want to prove my worth to you as well. But in attempting to do that, what I do is I deny that it is God who affirms my worthiness, not in what I do, but in the fact that He is the one who loves me. That's my value. There's a love that seeks value, and there's a love that gives value. God's kind of love is a love that gives value. Now, that's hard for all of us to understand and accept because it's counterintuitive. That's not the way the world works. It's foolish to leave 99 sheep to search out that one lost sheep. No single sheep carries a value anywhere equal to 99 sheep. The numbers don't make sense. But this analysis assumes first that the sheep's intrinsic value is what drives the shepherd's decision to go out and to find it. 
But secondly, it infers the shepherd requires a return on his investment, which the economy of God makes no such assumptions. Instead of merit, God's economy works on mercy. The shepherd who seeks the sheep is the one who assigns the value to the sheep. And the shepherd declares its worth equal to that of all the other sheep. But here's the beautiful thing. No matter which sheep of the 100 that gets lost, the shepherd will treat them all the same because each one is valuable to God, even if they're tax collectors and sinners even if they're scribes and Pharisees, even if they're you and me. It's foolish to throw a party to celebrate finding a coin and spending more money on the party than the coin is worth. However, the value again is not found in the coin. It's located in the woman's heart, and she's the one who gets to determine its value. And she says, it's valuable enough that I want to throw a party that costs more than what you think the coin is worth. The economics of both of these analogies are flawed. However, if our salvation is based on the world's economics, where merit is the only thing that is rewarded, then we're all doomed. Paul said in Romans, there is no one who is righteous. Not even one. There is no one who has understanding. There is no one who seeks God. What he's saying is there is no one who knows it all, who, who, who is perfectly able to judge what is right and what is wrong. He says, all have turned aside. Together they, and it's really probably better to interpret this as together we have become worthless. Our worth is not intrinsic to us. Our worth is ascribed to us. It's imputed to us by God himself. No one seeks God, Paul said, so it's a good thing that God searches until he finds us. And when he finds us, it's good for us to respond. So, what value do we have in God's eyes? Again, in Romans, Paul says, but God proves his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. A minute ago, I said that there's not a single sheep of equal value to all the rest. However, I need to modify that statement a little bit. For you see, God reckoned that His Son was worth more than equal to all of human beings who've ever lived. And therefore, His death on the cross could provide all the mercy that was needed for every human being. God's grace made available through His Son, Jesus Christ, saves us. But if God's mercy saves us, it saves other people too. None of us does it on our own. 
whether we think people are worthy or not, when they come to faith in Christ, we're to celebrate. Alan Culpepper wrote these words, whether one will join the celebration is all important because it reveals whether one's relationships are based on merit or mercy. Those who find God's mercy offensive cannot celebrate with the angels when a sinner repents. So then, instead of finding a way to exclude people from the kingdom of God, maybe we would be better served to adopt the spirit of the shepherd and the woman in Jesus' stories, and instead of finding a way to exclude them, to invite them to come, to search for the lost and to bring them in. Perhaps in the Spirit of God the Father, who by His mercy grants us all value, we find a way to invite other people that God values equally to us into the kingdom as well. And when they say yes, whether we're partying or not, God and all of heaven is partying, and so why not just join in the party? Ultimately, if the lost sheep or the lost coin could have talked, they would have said, I bet you're glad you found me. And God, as the celebratory shepherd and woman, would have said, Oh, if you only knew. If you only knew. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And amen. Thank you for listening to First Words. For more information about our services or how to get involved in our community, visit us at fumcflorence.org or facebook.com slash florencefumc.